0: And welcome to an all new episode of Talking Football, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. My name is Nicholas Viltagen, and I'll be hosting this episode of the best Bundesliga podcast out there. And joining me today is Mr. Matthew Hermann. How are you doing, Matt?
1: I'm good, I'm good. And, I, you know, if you want to fire some shots at those other Bundesliga podcasts, just go right ahead. Why not? <laughs>
0: Yes, well, we do have a bit of news in the first segment. Bundesliga possibly coming back. And what would that look like? Kind of big news. Kind of big news. Very big news. We'll tell you what that will look like in segment two. We'll take a closer look at your questions and we'll be diving into some more Bundesliga history. All of that is to come after the break. So here we go. Joy of joy, the Bundesliga might be back. Or as Bild already put it in bold letters, the Bundesliga is back on May 9th. Well, story is, that's not a given, is it?
1: (laughs) It, It turns out there's quite a few asterisks that need to go after the statement, the Bundesliga is back. I mean, the 9th of May is basically... What the DFL, you know, Christian Seifert at his press conference following their, you know, special virtual meeting that they had this week saying, you know, okay, health ministry, whatever, uh, officials, if you want us to, we could be back as early as the 9th of May. I don't don't see that as a realistic day. Uh, Do do you?
0: No. I mean, let's take a look at what is going on in Germany right now. I mean, in certain areas... People from other federal states are not allowed to take a walk even. That's where we're at. So why should we have football teams being shipped around all of Germany in that sort of atmosphere? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There? I mean, th- th- there's schools lots of questions are, along those lines. Schools are re- reopening uh, around May 4th in most states in Germany, I understand. But, you know, here in Norway, we just opened the kindergartens, and we we aren't even close to discussing when football is going to come back and um, Germany it seems like well, we open the school on May fourth. So let, let's go for the next weekend, then, shall we?
1: Yeah, I see it much more. Which uh, it strikes me, it's I strange. see it much more realistic for them to start on you know the sixteenth or the twenty third or, or wherever they feel like. Public health officials are more comfortable with it, as you say. Like I, there's been a lot of of talk, both from sort of you know football writers, football commentators, and and even people participating in in the games. You know, Ralph Rangnick said today, Friday, that, you know, it's important for you know, humanity. Humanity for humanity, humanity. for football to come back. He said, you know. "Humanity." <laughs> he's really good at football tactics, and he's really, really good at that. And <laughs> seems to have some shortcomings in other areas. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I, I definitely think <laughs> that... see how a four-three-five-two can save humankind.
0: rolf Rannik explains. Yeah,
1: yeah, I definitely <laughs> I think benefit. that there, there, there is a, a degree of over ambition, both to sort of show that. The, the league has its act together. They want to put on a, a brave face. They want to sort of say, like, you know, if you want us, we're there. But I, I really can't imagine that they're going to actually get a green light from, you know, <laughs> the government to do this on May 9th.
0: Well, if they're going to get that green light, it's discussed on April 30th. So six days to wait from when we record. And right now there's actually paper out there which was drawn up by, uh, by the German Ministry of Labour which uh, actually says that they envision two different ways of how this could be done. Way one is players and refs wearing face masks throughout the entire match and those face masks must be placed medically correct at all given times which means that players and refs would have to change face masks every 10 or 15 minutes which I mean, what does that do to your breathing when you're playing football at the highest level? I I can't even imagine.
1: Oh, for sure. And this is basically using uh, a high level football match as like a, you know, mask application procedure, public service announcement, (laughs) advertisement. I mean, come on, guys. I think if we're going to take the step of them playing we got to take a few more steps.
0: And the other the other alternative would be that teams would go into large hotel complexes which they would rent by themselves and stay there all given times.
1: Which can we put cameras um, in the rooms can we make this like a Big Brother situation?
0: Yes. <laughs> See the drama unfold between Davy Clausen and Davy Selke. An, it would
1: be it would be another revenue Who's Street, the best you know? Davy
0: in Bremen? It might be fun, uh, some Corona fun there for you to to have. But honestly, if, if that is the best you can do, I mean, yes, as uh, Derek Ray pointed on Twitter, it's just a draft. It's not something that has been decided to be the actual model of what they are going to go for. But if we're there. And if we're at a point where certain stores and businesses cannot reopen, why should we reopen football on May 9th with a skeleton crew of as many as 322 people around the stadium, in and around the stadium? that That's what they need to make those matches happen.
1: Yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah, I have, I have seen these individual numbers. I mean, you've... You know, ni- nicely uh, written them down here in front of us on our show notes, but I've kind of gazed at them at times, thinking, you know, I would love to see an itemized breakdown of exactly who's doing what, because that's that number still seems very high. I mean, I, I understand that how many were you we going to have? Ninety-eight people on and around the pitch. That includes, you know, both teams of, of players, coaches, referees, support staff, etc. That's quite a lot of people. A couple of cum- hundred and fifteen people in the stands. I don't know why you need a hundred and fifteen people in the stands. I mean, how many cameramen do you need? How many print journalists turn up at, at at any given match? You know, maybe at a at a you know, Revere Derby or whatever, you get a good hundred some journalists. But how many journalists turn up to an Augsburg Al- Mainz game anyway? You know?
0: <laughs> two guys. Two guys from, one from Augsburg built and the other one from Mainz built. <laughs> from the Augsburger Allgemeine and the Mainzer Allgemeine. <laughs> Two quality papers on my dad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I get where they're coming from. I mean, I feel like 322 people in a football stadium is actually quite a small number. And when you think about how the fact that other businesses, whether that means like, uh, you know, hardware stores or like independent businesses, which are starting to open in some parts of Germany, but they're opening with like pretty strong, like capacity restrictions, like saying you can only have one third of your fire code or something like that. You know, 322 in a building that ostensibly could hold 20 to 50, 70,000 like I guess that's, you know, uh, uh, prudent.
0: (laughs) Well, Jens Lehmann actually went on Doppelpass uh, the other day. Did you see that? I've not
1: found a reliable way to watch Doppelpass as of yet. I've, you know, to be fair, it's also, it's not happening at a very convenient hour for me these days. You know, it goes from, I think, 4 to 6 (laughs) a.m. So watching it live, not really an option. I might catch the last, I don't know, 15 minutes. But... uh, (laughs) Yeah, tell tell me about Jens Lehmann on on double Pass. Was he? Uh, was this an all Skype, uh, Zoom, whatever version of Double pass?
0: Uh Yeah, it was. And um, Jens Lehmann actually managed to say that he he was quite staggered by the fact that the Bundesliga wasn't already back, sort of, because I mean the numbers we were seeing in terms of the Corona situation that that was uh, that was pretty much the best we could hope for. Expert had told us, and now that we've we are there. Uh, why not, you know, let her rip, Let you know, open her up a little bit more. He said, let's start the Bundesliga up again. And, you know, in a place like the Allianz Arena, which holds 70,000, you could have 20,000 spectators. They can keep a distance of a couple of meters, no
1: problem. Has, has Jens ever been to a football match as a regular fan? When's the <laughs> last time he did
0: that? And when Thomas Helmer actually asked him, how do you want to enforce it? He cannot possibly enforce it. And I said, well, look at how they actually are and you know, hardware stores and stuff. That works. Why shouldn't I work at a football grant? To which I have to say, Jens Lehmann is possibly the most ill-informed former football player that I've ever come across at this given moment. And you know, the world of former football players includes the likes of Diego Maradona, and of Matthäus. So that's where we are with the Jens Lehmann. But obviously Jens Lehmann doesn't see the need for any sort of these restrictions around. But the league actually sees the need to to do something about the current ongoing coronavirus outbreaks. The league says it needs 22,000 Corona tests in a time where Germany actually can manage to pull off you know 880,000 Corona tests in that given space in that given time uh, frame so the league with Jan Seifert says well we were not even at half percent of the task capacity of, of the German public so we're not really that special but I mean come on a group of roughly uh, 500 people getting 0.5 of the test capacity that's quite a lot isn't it
1: it is I mean it, it's funny how Percentages or, or you know, raw numbers, either way you want to look at it, can be made to seem large or made to seem small, depending on <laughs> what your perspective is. But when you come around to the idea that, you know, even something close to half of a percentage, those are tests that could be used much, much more usefully in a lot of other places. I mean, I guess the only thing that, you know, puts me on the side of thinking this is this is morally okay and, and a good idea, is that. Germany is doing such a good job compared to so many other countries, but still, I I don't think that they've necessarily managed to you know get down to a point where you know their new tests or, or new positives per day are are declining at a at a you know steady and high rate. I mean, it it, it definitely seems to me that there's a lot of room for maintaining a really strict all-hands-on-deck attitude and not <laughs> taking, taking time out to just, you know, throw a football game.
0: I mean, the, the problem here is as well that we, we, doubt, we don't have a cure uh, in the wings right now. As it uh, turns out, the first few trials of uh, Remdesivir, which was supposedly the best antiviral drug out there to combat this, uh, are not as promising as people would have hoped. So right now, we we don't seem to have gone any further than to eliminate a few drugs that we thought might work, which is not good news in terms of managing this coronavirus outbreak because the game changer here, besides the vaccine, could also be a drug that works effectively and safely on large chunks of the population. So as long as we don't have that, we, we are going to get coronavirus outbreaks every now and then until we've vaccinated everybody. Yeah. I mean, even if even if it goes away within a population, it's going to get imported back into a population. It, it just... I mean, what China currently is worrying about the most is people coming from abroad bringing the coronavirus back to China. That's where they are. So at the end of the day... This is a this is a situation that is going to go on for a long long time.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that reading between the lines, the date that everybody seems to want to be able to hit is June 30th, which, you know, anybody who who has read up about, you know, football over the last number of years knows that June 30th is the day when players contracts run out and coaches contracts run out and, you know, lots of contracts run out and it just everyone would save themselves a lot of headache if they were able to get the season done by that date. I don't think that that is a a sort of, a sort of smart priority. Like, I feel like the priority really has to be both maintaining the safety of the people who are actually participating in the games and sort of setting a, 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 a sort of a good example for society by, you know, following the same rules that everyone else has to follow. If things are going so great in society that, you know, you can have gatherings of up to 100 people, because basically that's what they're trying to do with these these three different areas, with the on-the-pitch people, the in-the-stands people, and outside-the-ground people, all are, you know, roughly 100 people. And they may they may get so to that. If you can have a pub with 100 people. Yeah. If you can have a gathering of 100 can, people you- in Germany, then, you know, it seems like... That that's probably a good thing to, to go ahead and start playing football again. But before that I would I would agree with that, but we're nowhere near that. No, no. I mean
0: um, I mean here in Norway we do have a few restaurants open. But they have very sort of strict rules and sort of distancing tables and all that. I mean I, I went out eating the other day and it was one of the you know, strange strange experience because it was sort of the cramped restaurant that I fish restaurant that I, I, I loved go to in, in, in the centre of town, but now the tables were sort of like spaced, so massive, there was so much space in between them, and, and you were like, am I at the same place? It, it, it seems strange. And, um, you know, now that we're there, you could never get a 100 people into a restaurant, into a pub. Uh, you know, add to that, I think Ulrich Mauer, who is the, the Minister of the Interior in Bremen, not necessarily a football friend. He made a good point, though. He said that football fans are going to gather to watch football matches. And in terms of a coronavirus outbreak, might not be the best thing.
1: Yep, and, and another good point that some have made is that, especially in the situation that that exists in, I would say, most parts of Germany, which is to say the majority of fans, or, or a very good number of fans anyway, they're either going to the game... Or they're going to the bar to watch it on TV because they don't get Sky at home. Or they don't get, you know, DAZN at home or whatever because they don't want to pay for it. So they'd rather just go to the bar and buy a couple of beers and do that. So, like, you know, if you're going to start up the Bundesliga again, you need to put the games on free TV so people can stay home and watch. And not gather to do that. But Sky Sky, Sky is paying an awful lot of money. An awful lot of money for those TV
0: rights. And... Um, You know, if you want to buy the Sky Packet in Germany, then you know the whole shebang. That costs you more than a season ticket at your ground. So what many fans are doing in Germany is that they do have a season ticket to their team. And then they either travel to away matches, which is just about, turns out, runs you the same as having the Sky Packet, basically. Or they go to a bar and have a couple of beers and meet their friends. And Sky is never going to go with that. I mean, come on, getting the conference on free TV.
1: Oh, but they. You, I would suspect that, that from a sort of health, public health perspective, you have to do that. Yeah, you but have to that, do
0: that. Again, would put you in a very sort of tricky situation between somebody who owns TV rights, politicians, and the Bundesliga, and somebody has to say, okay, we have to put that on free TV, and those who have actually paid for the rights and have the contractual obligations on their side. When they raise up, uh, put up their hands and say, no, we're not going to do that. Who's in the right here?
1: I know, I know. And I know that, um, you know, Germans love their Verträge. But, <laughs> you know, what's more important? The businesses and the the you know, the sort of agreed upon terms of contracts or, you know, public health? We got to go with door number two here, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I would agree, but if Sky is going to see it the same way, I I have my doubts knowing Sky.
1: But haven't haven't they already negotiated a discount with you know because they they're supposed to pay that you know a uh, uh, final quarterly tranche of of money to the Bundesliga, and I think didn't they they strike a deal that like even if the games don't happen, they're in, they're going to pay less or something like that, just as, as a as a make good yeah was like an offer to, so maybe you know maybe if Sky pays the Bundesliga less, the Bundesliga might have a little bit more wiggle room to to distribute the uh, material alternatively, or, or Sky might do it voluntarily as a as like a goodwill gesture to make people think well of Sky because most people don't think well of Sky. Most people hate them
0: yes they they are pretty much the one of the most hated broadcasters all around Europe, and that that's a thumb something. I jotted down a few other points I wanted to get to in this segment. First being that now that we're talking about starting football up again we should also take a look at what football is going to look like. I mean we've talked about this in the past because we sort of joked around a bit saying that it might get sort of like a youth tournament feel. Would Werder Bremen meet up at pitch three if you want to make all 18 teams play on the same day three times a week? But as it turns out. The different, I mean, Germany is a, is, a, is a country that has 16 federal states and all these 16 federal states do have a lot of liberty at hand to make their own rules. So what has happened here during this coronavirus outbreak is, uh, is that different federal states have made different rules for how footballers can train. To give you an example, Bremen are training in groups of four. In Nordrhein-Westphalia, which is a state which has been uh, hit a lot harder than Bremen... The groups of players that can train together are seven, for some strange reason. I mean I don't know if if the public health officials in Bremen have some insights that those in North Rhine Australia don't have or the other way around. But it strikes me as sort of very odd and you know, somebody just picks out a number from wherever to just make it seem that is as safe as it possibly could get. So, obviously, a team that is able to train with seven guys in one group is going to have a a considerable advantage over a team that has only had groups of four. Now, if we start up on May 9th, which is a couple of weeks from now, we are going to see full sides of 11th going up against each other. Reuven Shredder of Minus05 has said that we need at least two weeks of full team training to be ready for Ghost matches. So, if the officials in Germany say, yes, go have play on May 9th, and at the same time they say, but we do have to keep these, these rules in place for a little while longer, what should the Bundesliga say?
1: Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. I think Ruben Schroeder is entirely right to say that teams are going to need at least two weeks to train properly, full team. You know, I'm sure they're going to have to have certain precautions. Whether that be masks or you know, lots of disinfecting, hand washing, whatever stations and limited contact. But you know, if you if, you, if the whole team can't practice together, leading up to the real game for real points for real money, then yeah, you, that that's yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> it's not not it's not competitively fair. It's
0: not. I mean, talking about
1: competitions
0: and talking about what the Bundesliga is going to look like. I mean, there was a leaked document from the dfb and the dfl task force which described how the corona testing would look what that would look like and it, it said that a positive test wouldn't necessarily lead to an entire team being quarantined furthermore the public won't be told if a player tests positive and the document finished off stating that teams are advised to have a sufficiently large squad at hand to finish off the season
1: yeah that's that's Actually, the the entire document, and I, of course, I didn't see the entire document. I just read, you know, sort of summaries of it in in Beagle and other publications, which picked that article up. That's the most problematic part of the whole thing, and that's the part that you wonder whether that makes that has
0: yeah. really blowback potential, massive.
1: I mean, I can think of of several different ways of of, of blowback potential. You have the way that you know the press, you know. <laughs> You know, I I am and have been a member of the press. And if there's one thing the press really, really doesn't like is when organizations don't include them in, you know, sort of information circles that they think to be part of, you know, public interest or what have you. And I think a player testing positive for coronavirus would certainly be something that they would think would be in the public interest to report on. And I can imagine if they tried to hide that, that that would become, <laughs> that would become the holy grail for sports reporters in Germany, to find out. You know, oh, you know, huh? Why isn't uh, you know, why isn't uh, Holland playing this week? He, he he looked fit last week, and you know, everything seems to be fine. It would be a situation that would, that would turn into a serious feeding frenzy. You would also get the the, the potential that players. If the players themselves weren't informed necessarily fully of these things, or even if they were, would there be a point at which, you know, let's say there's, you know, one player gets gets sick or turns positive, and then in the following days let's it's four, five, six players in the squad. What's the rest of the squad going to do? Are they going to be like, yeah, we're playing, we're fine, just bring up guys from the youth team? Or are they actually going to say, no, we're not playing. <laughs> we would like to be protected from this instead of thrown to the wolves.
0: We might as well... Want to protect the other team because, I mean, what they're saying, which I find utterly insane, is that even if a player is infected by the positive, by by the player who tested positive, even if a player is infected by said player, but he has tested negative a day before the match that he's playing, he's potentially not contagious to other humans surrounding him. I mean, that, that's the official party it line is, here.
1: It is, they say with such certainty. Are
0: we taking such, such huge chances anywhere else in our society? Name one field within our society where we're taking these sort of chances right now. You couldn't, could you? So, um, I mean, it might, it might be back to the drawing board when it comes to these sort of outlines from the DFL and the DVB. I think. Because honestly, not telling the public,
1: not quarantine entire teams, really? Yep, yeah, I think really? that they might need to work a few kinks out before some very big stakeholders in the game, which is to say the players, the biggest stakeholders of them all, and you know the media, who are, are, are a pretty big deal in the game as well, um, before they want to play nice.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you don't work these kinks out, I, I, I possibly cannot see how politicians can say, yeah, yeah sure, go ahead. Just go and play. There's that. I mean, we're going to see how they work it out, and there will be that conference on April 30th, and we'll, uh, you know what, we'll be picking up the thread about whether or not the Bundesliga is coming back and how it's coming back after that has happened. But you know what? Why don't we do another podcast? Yes. But you know what? Let's just take a break right now, and we'll return with your listener questions and a bit of Bundesliga history after the short musical interlude. Welcome back. It's part two of talking Foosball. Matthew Herman, are you are you keen to answer some listener questions?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Let's 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 hit each other with questions.
0: All right, Don De Brito or Marius Vorge uh, asked us on Twitter: any news on the economic situation at Schalke? And what do we think about their season so far? Well, what do you think about their season so far? Let's start with
1: that. Whew, mixed bag, you know they they overperformed. In the first half of the season, I mean, people, you know, both, whether you were performing the eye test or looking at their underlying numbers, XG, etc., people could tell that things were going probably a little bit more their way than, than they really deserved. And they've fallen off since then. I think, you know, <laughs> and this shows, this shows just how, like, how long it's been since the game has been played. Like... You know, when, when we're in a normal season situation and we're we're doing podcasts every week and I'm, you know, watching all the time, like, I don't have to remind myself necessarily of what's going on the table. And I'm like, huh, where was Schalke again? Did they get there? <laughs> six? They are in sixth place. They're one point above Wolfsburg. Eh, I reckon they'll probably get overtaken by somebody. Not sure of it, though. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Wolfsburg or Hoffenheim, you know, went past them. Yeah, Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim have
0: looked good, uh, but you know what? I mean, with with the current situation, it's sort of like the cards are I mean, it's it's like picking up a deck of cards and mixing them all over again. Um, you don't know what you're going to get. Yep. Right now, because um, I mean, suddenly you uh, you know a team like Borussia Dortmund, I would imagine, draws a lot of their potential uh, at least for, in home matches from their fans, and now that that is gone. How they're going to play at the Westfalen Stadium? Yeah. On the other hand, side you might say it's it might be an advantage for a team like RB Leipzig, which is sort of like a machine that sort of grinds out pressing pressing tactics wherever they go and whatever atmosphere it's facing them.
1: Absolutely, and and also it's a team that you know it's an extremely demanding style of play that as the season wears on becomes harder to sustain with with a, a limited squad of players, even though their squad is deep. You still run into certain walls, and, you know, they just got a six-week break. may turn into a two-month break. For a team that plays that way, that's a great thing.
0: It is. It is. I mean, the winter break is great for them, and, you know, having a second break certainly won't won't hurt. And talking about the first uh, point you were asking us about, uh, Maris, um, about the economic situation, I got in touch with uh, Hassan Talepadji, uh who is... Uh, the man the man on all things Schalke. He has Hassan's Corner, at Hassan's Corner on Twitter. Uh, And he told me about the economic situation at Schalke, quote, We all assume that the league will start again soon, and because of the television revenues, Schalke will not have to file for insolvency. However, they will hardly have money to strengthen the team on the transfer market next season. So that's where we are with the, with the economic situation at, at Schalke and all fear. Um, moving on to the next question, a B4B fan at b 4 b asking us, and this is really the $1 million question here. Do you guys think, should the Bundesliga return or should they wait, given the current situation?
1: I probably tipped my hand pretty strongly in the first half of this podcast, but yeah, I think wait is probably the way to go. I think, you know, having a having a you know a special exception or you know, uh, for for football to get back at it uh, just doesn't strike. German me.
0: German legal terms are really sexy, isn't it? Great. Oh, give me that Um I
1: think it definitely makes a lot more sense to wait for almost every reason except for you know, financial, contractual, et cetera, reasons. And for whatever reason, those seem to be the most germane to the people in the game. And, and it's not just that I find that sort of morally questionable, but I also find it, it sort of, it bespeaks a misunderstanding of the situation, which is to say everybody wants to get this season done on time, you know, or, or by June 30th, so that they can hold to their normal business and that they can get back to normal next season. And, like, dude, next season's not going to be normal either. We're not going to have full stadiums. We're, you know, we might have further breaks next winter when this thing comes back in earnest. Like, I think waiting until it's 100% good for this season to continue and to be completed, however long that takes, makes a lot more sense than trying to get it over with and get it done now so that it can start up the next one on time. It's just... it it like it's people who don't fully understand that like nothing is going to be normal for another year or year and a half or 2 years they just don't get it yet yeah
0: i needed to wrap my head around this ghost matches because i you know i we, we talked about it a couple of times and i always said football without fans it's it's not for me but i mean i've come to the conclusion that i have to endure ghost matches for a very, very long time. Because, I mean, Germany just passed a law stating that all gatherings of you know large masses is outlawed until the end of September. So even if you get through the season and get it done by June 30th and you say, okay, great, let's kick off at the end of August like we always do. Yeah, there's still going to be ghost matches then. And it's very likely that that period is going to be extended. I mean, Jens Lehmann might be shocked to learn that. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not going to have 20,000 people in the Allianz Arena by September, but that's where yeah, we
1: maybe Maybe he's at home drinking a, a cup of bleach, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's doing all the right things, Jens, isn't he? Always, always, always. Such a lovable guy. But there you go. Last week, we finished off the, the show with, uh, with a bit of Bundesliga history, and I got one request to do the... The same thing for the next episode the next usual episode of talking football. and since i've worked for a public broadcaster i do value the opinion of one person over the opinion of the masses i'm going for you out there travis not you know the everyday man because travis you do matter to me so here we go, I've picked up uh, an episode that happened back in the 1970s. Uh, it happened on match day 27 uh, of the 1970-71 season. And it was described by a German headline that read as follows, Ein Tor ist gefallen, aber keiner jubelt. Uh, which translates to, a goal has fallen but nobody celebrated. In German, of course, you can use the phrase, ein Tor ist gefallen, as saying somebody scored a goal. So, what happened? Well, we are at the match of uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach against Werder Bremen on Matchday 27 of the 1970-71 season. Borussia Mönchengladbach are chasing the title. They're two points ahead of Bayern München, who are chasing them. Uh, we are at the same time playing against Kaiserslautern, but Bayern have one match in hand. And Borussia Mönchengladbach are capped by a very resilient Werder Bremen side to a 1-1 draw. The 88th minute arrives and the legendary Gunter Netzer floats a free kick into the Bremen area. Vodou's goalkeeper, Günter Bernhard, is in supreme form on this very day, and of course he doesn't have any trouble picking up that somewhat poorly placed ball out of the air. However, what did happen at the same time was that Gladbach's Herbert Laumann, a striker who scored a lot of goals for them during the 70s, he had made a run for that somewhat poorly placed ball, and he went up in the air, and what happened next he described as follows in an interview many years later. Quote, free kick netzer, I get up into the air after having made a run for it. Bremen's goalie takes the ball, and suddenly I fly backwards into the net. I hear a crackling noise, and then the goalpost collapses to the side. A little later, I was caught like a fish in a net. I couldn't get out of there. So, what had happened? Lohman actually had chased the ball. He had gathered considerable amount of pace. He flew past the keeper, as he described, crashing into the goal. And, you know, the goal being made out of wood didn't see its best day as as the left-hand goalpost collapsed, just broke. So, Lohan was caught in the goal and Werder Bremen's players helped him out in the end. And Werder Bremen's players tried to mend the goal with the crowd not being too enthusiastic about that. Gladbach players just stood on the pitch, not lifting a finger to help the Bremen players... Later on, Herbert Wimmer actually would admit that the team had hoped that the game would be abandoned and that a rematch would have been played because the one point that they had at that point wasn't enough for them. In the end, the game was abandoned, but the Gladbach's players' gamble, it failed. The DFB Sportgericht, the sporting court, it ruled that the Gladbach, as the home side, had to make sure that the goal was up to the standards required by the DFB at all times. Burda was awarded a 2-0 win at the Green Table, and Lapa lost the match. So that gamble, it didn't pay off. Furthermore, we do have to say that this ruling actually affected German football on two levels. First of all, the aluminium goal replaced the goals made from wood. Second of all, All teams now keep a backup goal in the ground in case something happened to their goal or one of their goals, which would allow them to avoid such a fiasco. Oh, and if you did wonder how the season turned out, don't worry, Gladbach won. They uh, won the title by two points. And as it turns out, Bayern, who were playing against Kaiserslautern at the same time, they also lost 2-1. So Bayern... Lost the title, Gladbach won it, but both teams, as we well do know, they had quite a fight in between them for the supremacy of the Bundesliga back in the 1970s. So that
1: Did you learn something new? I did. I did. You know, that, that that's... I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Knowing that I am, I am a bit older than you, but I'm not that old. So this, this is this is uh, <laughs> this is about before my time. <laughs> it's well before both our times. Yeah. It?
0: By the way, uh, I also wanted to say Brian Sanders uh, got in touch with us. He uh, forwarded us a few ideas for what we could talk about in historic segments. And you know, as we talked about, uh, we might not get to talk about an awful lot of football going forward. So, Brian, we've written down your ideas, and we
1: will get to them, at least a couple of them, I hope. Yep. If you don't use them on your own podcast, the uh, Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, <laughs> number first.
0: Which is a great German football podcast, maybe among the best. Yeah. Well, there we go. Um, Matt, it's been an absolute delight
1: chatting with you again. Absolutely, man. You're later on into the evening than I, so I see you're, you're on the, the brewskies already. I'll have to wait a few more hours before that is uh, a, a good idea for me, but you know I'll get there one day
0: yes one day I'm, I'm drinking local beer which you also should do uh, if you, I do if you...
1: I, you know it's, it's Wisconsin beer or bust for me then. yeah Wisconsin beer one of the best in the world
0: well uh, I think that is it for another episode of Talking Foosball followers on Twitter at Talking Foosball find us on Facebook give us a review on iTunes and you know whatever you do get in touch say hi give us a shout out talk to you soon